two to go. Trip to the Sweet 16. Katie's got it. Rises up. The shot. And it's gone! It's gone! Wisconsin has won it! And while there are a lot of fantastic places all across our country to spend a fall weekend, if you were to ask me today if Madison, Wisconsin is the best in all of them, I would borrow from Bono and say it was Saturday night. Welcome to Bucky Cast, a Badger podcast by the fans, for the fans, with the fans, where we promise to never talk about Tyler Hero. Seriously. Ever. And now, here's your hosts, John, Justin, and Ryan on Wisconsin. Welcome everybody to the Bucky Cast, episode 11 here tonight. It is Justin here with John and Ryan. How are we doing tonight, boys? We're doing excellent. Yeah, doing good. Doing good. How are you? How are right. you? How are you? Nobody ever asks you how you're doing, host. How's Justin? I'm, I, I am doing all right. I'm doing all right. <laughs> everyone everyone needs to be able to see the fact that Justin is completely hungover right now. I'm kidding. He's not. <laughs> He's not bleary-eyed. We're, Right. And, uh, <laughs> what are what are we drinking tonight, boys? On that note, let's go ahead and we'll run right back right into our uh, beer choices for the evening. Okay, I'll start off because I'm just going to grab the wheel and go. Um, always, always, really quick. Drinking, always a good uh, thing to say rift. when you're drinking. I'm just going to grab the wheel and go. Just go ahead. <laughs> I was, I was just take, take the keys and start down the road. That's how I live my yeah. life. <laughs> go ahead. I'm going to give this one a test drive. <laughs> well, now look, you maybe swerve all over the place. This yeah. one's gone off the rails. Um, I am drinking John Rift. John Road oh, <laughs> You're killing me, guys. Rift India Pale Ale from Central Waters Brewing. Um, for those of you not familiar, and if you're from the state of Wisconsin, there's no way you should not be familiar with Central Waters. They're located in the tiny town of Amherst, Wisconsin. It's pretty much the only thing going on in Amherst. Um, although you'd have to ask, I believe, Garrett Groshek or someone else about that. Uh, this is a solid IPA. I mean, I'm, I'm no IPA expert. Um, tastes pretty much like how I would expect an IPA to taste. It's got a little bite to it. Kind of fruity. Um, before, I, I need to talk about the beer I had right before we started recording this podcast because it was epic. Urge Tracker which was uh, contributed to Quick Trip, the uh, local convenience store chain here in Wisconsin, by Carbon 4 Brewing in, in uh, Madison. Carbon 4 is a really good brewery. Um, this beer that, uh, they, that I picked up off of the side table at a Quick Trip, uh, it was a, it was a f- uh, four-pack of silos. Um, it's a peanut butter cup milk stout. Um, it looked like oil. It actually looked like the the uh, the blood that comes out of the aliens in the alien movies. Um, xenomorphs. It was really yes, exactly the xenomorphs. <laughs> Thanks for defining it, you know, inappropriately, just as they did. Why can't they just be aliens? Um, anyway, uh, it it was it was very thick. Uh, you could almost chew on it. It was extremely sweet. I mean, they mentioned not only peanut butter cup, but that it was an ice cream milk stout right on the can. Uh, so it was almost overpoweringly milk stouts, uh, especially when you're throwing peanut butter in there, they should to have the peanut butter taste in them, but I don't feel like they should be a candy beer. And that's sort of what that urge tracker was, was a candy beer. So anyway, um, I'll throw it to Ryan now for his take. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was great. I'm not going to be able to top that. Um, so when we started the show, cause we've been talking for about an hour, I was on a hoppy red ale. Uh, Peter Cotton Ale in honor of uh, Easter, I suppose. 
That's from a brewery up here called Graysale up in Rhode Island. And now I've shifted over to a double IPA called oh, Bluster, yeah. which for 8% and double IPA is actually really smooth. It's got some orange. Um, it's not kind of burning like some of the, the harder IPAs, double IPAs do. So I think I'm, I'm pretty much set. I think that's what I'm going to finish Bluster the show off with. Bluster na- should be the uh, theme of this podcast in general, uh, in my opinion. There's been a lot of bluster already, both recorded and unrecorded. And I am drinking Blue Bobber Blueberry Ale from uh, Fox River Brewing Company. Um, have this a couple times before. I've normally had it actually at the restaurant up in uh, Oshkosh uh, for Tellos. But yeah, it's pretty good. I'm, I'm a fan of it. It's got good, really good flavor. You have to, you have uh, to definitely can taste the blueberry in dropping blueberries in. But it is a sweeter beer because that's how you're supposed to drink it. Is to actually drop the blueberries in. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there, Justin. Continue on. Continue <laughs> on. Come on, man. Come on. <laughs> All right, I, I'm good, man. I, I, I'm, I am not as uh, well spoken when it comes to uh, my beers as you guys. I oh, it's John, drink. really? Like John? John is the beer. Yeah, the beer file I'm, out of I'm all the of us. Head in this group, like, so um, one hundred. I'm, I'm just. I'm gonna. I'm gonna read it straight from the bottle. A refreshing ale, golden in color, with a light blueberry aroma. Slightly sweet. This ale is highly drinkable with fresh blueberry finish. Garnish with blueberries. And couldn't have been bottle. said better if you had read it off a label. Oh wait, you did. <laughs> you could have put a little more energy into that. I feel like that's probably the. The worst five seconds of the show. Read that because I feel like that would have totally made it better. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure there's a law office that we'd have to steal. We'd have to outbid them for. They have the best distribution network (laughs) I've ever seen because I was able to get their beer on tap and in bottles in Champaign, Illinois, uh, when I went in 2015 to the Illinois Wisconsin Mm. football game. It was everywhere in the bars. So. Kudos to you, Central Waters. All right, guys, moving on. We're going to go ahead and start with the little news and notes here to bring things into the episode. Uh, Ryan, what do you got for us? Nate Reavers, who had entered the transfer portal, everybody kind of, we talked a little bit about how unusual it was for him to maybe transfer out of Wisconsin and try to find another location to play basketball. Has actually taken himself out of the transfer portal to pursue professional uh, basketball opportunities. Typically what that means for players like Nate Reavers is he's going to be playing in Europe or he's going to be playing in the Middle East, or he's going to play in Russia, all of which are, I mean, if you're a 23-year-old guy, I mean, all those seem incredible to, to me. Like so obviously prices, we wish them luck. You probably don't want to have to go overseas, but anyway. Right, Trice is in a whole nother, Trice is like that BYU player who took a mission in these three years, you know, like he's playing as a I'm inside linebacker at 27. But no, so Reavers is going to go pro, which means he's probably going to play in Europe somewhere, which is awesome. You know, I wish him tons of luck. Um, Cole Caulfield, Badger men's hockey won the Hobie Baker. Uh, wasn't much of a debate. Um, I've, I don't think our feelings on uh, Cole Caulfield winning the Hobie Baker have been exactly secret. Uh, it was pretty much a, a guarantee. Um, so yeah, he has then promptly gone on the night he won the Hobie Baker to score two goals in his AHL de- debut, his professional debut, um, and an assist. So kudos to Cole Caulfield for, uh, you know, bringing home the bringing home the trophy, a great individual honor, great honor to the University of Wisconsin, and then going on to start his pro career very successful. Hold on, folks. Ryan took a big swig right there. Um, All right. Yeah, it was an impressive. Ryan, do you have any other news and notes? The only other thing we had mentioned talking about was the search committee for the new athletic director was put in place. 
So and we're not going to go over every name on that. There's some businessmen. But two of the more interesting names in that to me was Paul Christ is on that and Orlando Tucker is on that. So to me, it's interesting because you have a very important person from the two flagship sports programs on the steering committee. All right, moving on, guys. It was the first week of uh, spring camp. Um, obviously, finally getting some things coming out of it. Saturday was the first practice that was actually viewed by the um, press. So we got some some good video out of that as well as you know, some good notes and information that comes out. Um, it, it's nice when we see, hear things from the staff, but it's always very whitewashed. I guess you would say like they really kind of tend to be strict with what they let out. So it's nice to have the press be able to give us a little more information, a little bit more unfiltered. Um, beyond that, we've heard a lot of information. Uh, first thing we're going to dive into here um, being some of the names that we've heard from this first week that have been have been popping up the players that we've been hearing that have been playing well and i want to get some of your guys perspective on some of these guys here we're not going to go into everyone well we'll mention the guys that we've heard but a few of them that we actually want to go into and what we think their odds are of uh having a a role this year Uh, first guy that we've heard a lot about rodas johnson somebody who we haven't heard a lot up until this point uh he's a i believe a redshirt freshman um a guy who came in in that 2019 class and was a, he was actually, I want to say he was a pretty well-respected recruit. I believe he was a borderline four-star and it it was kind of like, there were a lot of people with him that were up and down on him in terms of what, whether they felt that he deserved that rating or whether he was legitimate. And it appears that he's really showing some things and we've seen a little, some flashes from him and some clips that have been out on Twitter. Um, what are your guys' thoughts on this? Do you think this is a guy who can dive into that not only too deep, but do you think he's a guy who can actually really push some reps this year? You want me to take it? I'll take it. So I'm going to buy this. First of all, I think we, we can't get too impatient with with kids having not heard anything in the first year or two they're on campus. Um, Rodas Johnson you know, took a year to probably develop his body. Now he's a 280-pound kid. Some of the stuff we saw on Twitter – listen, I posted something on our, our feed – Badger fans looking at Twitter right now. It's like we're we're examining every second of it with like a microscope, trying to find any any type of, well, you know, of anything we, kind of we can build off to do of. That but... Because our spring camp is held evidently in North Korea, so um... it's it is restrictive, yeah. right? So we we go like frame by frame, like a microfilm, <laughs> trying to find any oh. bit of of something we can glean out of it. But there was a clip where Rodis Johnson put a spin move on. I think it was Logan Brown and blew right by him. And there were people on Twitter saying, "Who is that guy?" I think it's Rodas Johnson. Are you sure? Yes, for sure. So the next, listen, the next play, Logan Brown could have buried him five yards down the line of scrimmage and just laid on top of him for seven seconds. I think this is a guy who has the requisite size that we want at strong side defensive end. And he's a guy that other players have off script have mentioned as being very improved. The body's better. He's obviously um, put a lot of work in. And it's something that Roscalaji has mentioned as well, as this guy's looked absolutely phenomenal through a short amount of practices. So, I'm going to buy the hype. I think you've hear, heard players talk about it. We saw some clips on Twitter, and you've heard the, the new positional coach talk about it. So I think it's definitely something to be excited about, and especially in a defense where we're looking for playmakers from that position. Um, I'm going to go ahead and buy that as well, but I'm going to buy it cautiously. Um, I'm not going to go full in on it. Um, and, and, you know, I'm very, very uh, skeptical of uh, whether it was, in fact, off script or not. Because uh, everyone pretty much had the same talking points. If you listen to player interviews, I think it was Matt Henningsen and uh, Bryson Williams both immediately mentioned Rodas Johnson. 
and Coach K also popped in there. So whether that was off script or not, I don't know. Rodas, um, you know, was a guy that, that came in, obviously hyped. He was probably the best defensive line recruit Wisconsin had, had in a couple of years um, in terms of what people thought he could turn into. Uh, and then he got into uh, uh, camp. They discovered that he was a couple inches shorter than he had been reported to be. And last year in the in the Duke's Mayo Bowl, I believe I saw him playing, and he looked heavy. Uh, he did not look like he was um, playing at his appropriate weight, and um, he has lost significant poundage. Uh, he's down to 280 pounds, I think, 280, 285, uh, which seems to be more in his wheelhouse. And with defensive linemen in the three, four, you just never know. Um, if he, if he does explode this year, or at least plays decently as a backup, I'll be really happy. How about that? Uh, rather than, you know, having him not heard from. So uh, yeah, any, any player who has not contributed up to this point and then becomes a contributor, that's a successful uh, spring for you. Personally on this, I'm, I don't know quite where I feel myself being on him. Um, we have a couple other guys at that position that I think at least we're ahead of him in the pecking order up to this point in Cade uh, McDonald, uh, James Thompson Jr. Obviously he was pushing last year and obviously had his injury. Now I know he's not in this spring. He's still sitting out with the injury. So it's kind of hard to tell with him. I, I want to know what's going to happen when we have the full group there in the fall to see what we really see with him. Because I, you know, I if he continues to pop like this the rest of the spring, I think it's it's pretty likely that he's going to be a guy that you're going to see getting reps, if not pushing the starters. I don't I don't know if we've seen enough from Mullins to say that he's got a lock on that position. I think Henningsen we feel is unless some unless he hasn't come back to hundred percent form. No, and they said he's back. Like he said Henny himself said he's setting PRs in the weight room. So I think he's pretty much a lock. And don't forget we got the Oregon transfer Townsend coming in as well. He was he's not here for spring true. ball, but he'll be here in the fall. And, and I and I think that he provides something that's a little different than some of these other guys. He's a little bit more athletic, a little bit maybe possibly lighter, but a guy who has a little bit more uh, quickness to him. He's more so, of the pass rushing yeah. strong side defensive end. Yeah. A guy like Alec right. James. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Longer yep. than Alec James, but that type of presence. So it'll be really interesting to see where things go this year. I, I think, honestly, I think the defensive line is going to be good. I think there's people that have been down on them a little bit coming into this year, and I honestly think that we're going to have solid depth. I think the D line is going to um, be a strength this year, actually. I agree with you. I, I think anyone that's looking at like you, you legitimately have four guys right off the bat if you just go by guys who have playing time and Mullins, Henningsen, Benton, and Williams. All those guys are going to play. And then you're just basically sprinkling in a few underclassmen there to get them reps and get them ready to go. Some of those guys will show, but what are you looking at from snap counts on those guys anyways? In most Probably games? not even that. I mean, it's not going to be a lot. Yeah, and in exactly. some games we're so, going to be playing nickel the majority of the time anyway, depending on who we play. You know, you're playing Nebraska, then they're spreading you out three or four wide. You're not God, playing three whoever defensive thought linemen. that would be said about Nebraska. Exactly. Well, that, that's what I mean. You're going to see <laughs> these the guys. They're the spreading you out all over right? the field. It's, that's, it's, that's an indictment of Nebraska football I know. in and of itself. Well, you remember what Scott Frost, not to take this on a tangent, but you remember Scott Frost said when he got hired, we're going to make the Big Ten adapt to us. I mean, that hasn't exactly proven true. <laughs> I think we've adapted pretty well. Yeah, I think the Big Ten's done a pretty good job of adapting, but – 
You got to appreciate the the you know the machismo. Oh, let's not go down a Scott Frost rabbit hole here. Players who are I, popping in spring practice. Let's go. Yep. All right. Next. Sorry, that's my fault. All right. All right. Next guy on the list here is Aaron Witt. Uh, he's a guy that all three of us have admitted that we're we're a fan of. I love his skill set. I mean, he's a big, lanky outside linebacker who can carry really good weight and has some good. I think good he's burst. carrying good weight now. Um, he the. Yes, two forty eight. But I'm saying he can legitimately. He's a guy who can go up to another ten pounds and probably carry that well. I don't think he'll lose a lot of speed if he if he played at two fifty five. He's gonna be a monster if he if he gets up to two fifty five with his kind of the way he's wired. And Co- Coach April talks about that he's just wired differently. Like he's gonna take the physical path every time. If he gets up to two fifty five with that speed, he's gonna be a monster. The type of intensity that him and Herbig have makes for some really interesting things going down the road because those are two guys that don't take plays off and are just going to keep coming. Uh, we've only seen bits so, and pieces of Aaron Witt, um, so I am not going to go full in again on on somebody that I've only seen a little bit from. He could definitely be a, a very good outside linebacker, though. Uh, his explosiveness that we saw in the Dukes-Mayo Bowl, if he maintains that, uh, with that wingspan he's got, he can really make things happen. But we'll have to, like I said, we'll have to wait and see how that develops. Because keep in mind, he's only going to be a redshirt freshman, essentially, this next year. So we'll see what goes on. The cool thing with Witt is he has the potential to be really the best of both worlds at outside linebacker. Like, he can set the edge with his size, but he has the explosiveness and the length and the arm reach to really be a pass rusher as well. So he, he can give you a lot out of that position, whereas a lot of the guys we've had in the past have been either that speed rusher like a Bond or that edge setter like a Noah Burks. I think Witt can do both. I think it's so, I think it's so buying or selling buying. He, that he plays well, – well, no, no, but to put it into this perspective for this year, that he sees significant playing time. I'm buying, I'm buying that. that. Not only that, yeah, yeah. I believe he may eventually be the starter by the end of the year. And to replace uh, Burks or Herbig. Yeah, he's Burks, not taking right? Herbig's job. No, he's not That's taking not it. Yeah. Unless Herbig gets hurt. Herbig's going to be an NFL player by the time he leaves here. Um, um, yeah. He's not going to take Herbig's job. So it's going to be Burks. We're um, sorry, Noah. You try really hard. <laughs> you, were the, you were the hardest playing really hard. player I've ever seen. Anybody that knocks him, I look at it this way. And, like, you can argue his pass rush ability. That's fine. The guy does what he's supposed to on every play. And that is not something that you can take for granted. Because you don't set the edge on a run, that's a 50-yard touchdown, you know, if you ha- against a lot of the teams that we play. That's a big deal. I don't want to you know, guess because he could also evidently be – because he did a really good job last year in a backup role of setting the edge on on running plays. It's just I don't I, I don't see CJ Getz ever being like a great pass rusher. And Aaron Witt has that potential. So if things go as they should, I think Aaron Witt winds up being the starter there. It's such an interesting conversation because of the fact that we have – it's it's the deepest position from a talent standpoint on the entire roster. by far, and I say that knowing that there's our, how what the influx of talent has been with the offensive line. There's only two spots to go here versus five for the offensive line. So there's the it's so much more limited in the depth that is there right now is just off the charts. You have two two in, or three incoming freshmen here who are guys that I have I personally think could all be really good. You know, they may not be in year one or even year two, but I think I think all of us like Io. I think that 
I, he puts on he puts on twenty pounds. I think he's going to be just an absolute streak of lightning out there. Um, I think Bowlers and and Peterson are two guys that legitimately, from a pass rush standpoint, offer some things that we're not used to having in our three four. They're not necessarily they speed guys as much. Keep in mind, you still have Caden, Caden Johnson, and Spencer no, Lytle. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, John. Um, exactly. Yeah, let's let's not. And Lytle's Lytle another guy who's talking a lot about Spencer Lytle too. So I like him because I think he's possibly the most well-rounded because he does have some very good quickness for a guy, and he's he's adept at dropping. And I think that that's something that outside of Herbig, we don't really have a lot of guys that are super comfortable at that. Um, so I think they're going to have they're going to be able to mix and match, and they're really going to be able to do some interesting things at outside linebacker going forward because of the skill sets and bodies that they have there. It's going to be really hard to to keep everyone happy, but you're going to have effectively six guys or so that you're going to be able to shuffle between and go situational. I think both, most of us see uh, Peterson and probably Bowlers sliding in on certain pass rush, pass rush packages as uh, probably part of that defensive line. Yeah, possibly. Um, but that's that's probably probably more to come in fall as well as all the players get in and we put the full package in. All right, moving on to the next person on the list. We have Jack Nelson shuffling between him and uh, who's our other boy at uh, right That guard. would be... Is it Fertney? Yes. Fertney, yes. Yes. So mm-hmm. Michael Fertney? Yep, with the junior, right? And Nelson. They, they, they are rotating between those two. Jack Nelson sounds like he's popping. He's actually the one taking the first team reps. So he is a guy that we've heard great things about for dating back all the way to the. Uh, I'm going to buy on American. this one mainly because if he's listed as the starter um, in spring, unless he gets hurt, he's probably going to be the starter in the fall. Um, no offense to Michael Fertney. Um, Jack Nelson's a guy who's been on our radar for a while. And after his game, uh, after his practices at the All-American Bowl, you know, he was, he, I think he was a five-star on one of the recruiting services. He was not on another. Um, He's just got worlds of potential. Um, He was actually listed as a left tackle um, before we got, you know, so many left tackles, we don't know what to do with them anymore. So we're going to move some of them inside to to, uh, guard, evidently. Uh, I wish Jack Nelson was heavier. Uh, he's still only a redshirt freshman, really, uh, at, you know, 6'6", 6'5", 297 pounds. That's not huge, uh, but he's got really good athleticism and balance. He's got a little bit of a nasty streak to him, which makes the move to guard um, more understandable. So we're going to find out, um, but I'm going to buy on this one. Uh, with offensive linemen like this, you can sort of tell, and I think he's going to have a long career at Wisconsin and wind up in the pros. So I like your point of, with offensive linemen, you can sort of tell early on because I think that's that's dead on. And I think the fact that they've already moved him up into the starting spot and switched to position, which means I think they're trying to find him a spot, speaks volumes. There's some background on Nelson um, that Badger fans may not realize. He really earned that fifth star from 247 when he went to an All-American camp. And he uh, squared off against Brian Brees, who was the number one, not just the number one defensive line recruit in the country, but the number one recruit in the country. Ended up going to Clemson. And Nelson basically stonewalled him, the number one defensive line recruit in the entire country. And the evaluators there said Nelson held up against him better than any player they did see the entire season. So that's where you earned that fifth part. Yep, exactly. Yep, Trey Wedding. 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 Wedding, right? I I always jack up that pronunciation. But I think Nelson moving to the inside 
I think the bad. Oh, sorry, Justin, really quick. I think the Badger fan, uh, Badger coaches. I think to John's point, they definitely see something there that's special, and they want to get him on the field. I personally think that the thing that they see that's special there is he is a guy who has both the athleticism and the mean streak that you want in an offensive lineman. And I think he's got kind of that I'm going to bury you, you attitude to him. <laughs> and that's something we've – yeah, that's something we've struggled to find for our guys. Like I haven't – we had those some of those guys back in the – that 2010-2011 offensive line where you look at it and they just took joy in just crushing people, like just dominating people. And we haven't really seen our line play to that level since. I think it's a talent thing, though, not and a I, mindset thing. I just don't need the Yeah, well, no, that's what I'm saying. I, guys I, think we've had some, I think there have been some mindset, but they haven't had the athleticism of a guy like Nelson who has the mindset and the athleticism to be able to be like, not only am I, I do I want to do it, but I'm athletic enough to do it. And I think that that's the difference there. Like, I, it wouldn't shock me if he ends up like you look at Zeitler, a guy, you know, who there you are ended up being an amazing, is a really good pro. Again. Uh, drum again. That's your favorite drum to bang. Dude, the guy. <laughs> Can we please have one <laughs> guy, podcast where you don't mention Like that Kevin whole Zeitler. offensive line of that. <laughs> I think we've had like nine of them. I don't think we <laughs> I don't know about that. Um, I would say, did it surprise you guys to see him moved inside and have Bruss moved outside? It surprised, yes. Because for a long time, Nelson yes. was talked about as the right tackle of the future. I thought for sure that Bruss was going to be, because I think he's gonna, he projects as a, probably a guard in the pros. Right. So why, why not just That's, let him play there and, and put Nelson, at right Nelson on the right? on the offensive line situation before. And I just, I'm not buying... Um, Tyler Beach. I'm I'm sorry, we're going off on a tangent here, but I'm not buying Tyler Beach as as a left tackle. Um, he could certainly play left tackle, but if Wisconsin's running him out there at left tackle and saying this is the best we can get at left tackle, that's sort of an indictment on the players behind them. And I like Logan Brown a lot. Um. Out of curiosity, do you think that they're potentially this is a to light a fire? Well, no, because that would be ridiculous. They didn't that's, see; that's they're not seeing this because now you yes. lose everybody out of position again. If they go around in the fall and say, "Okay, well, everybody's going back beach to right tackle," um, you know, Bruss inside to guard again. Well, you just jerked everyone around um, for no apparent reason other than to light a fire under Logan Brown. Logan Brown will be fine, but I don't think Tyler Beach is you play a player at the position that you feel they'll be best at. Tyler Beach is not going to be a left tackle in the pros. If he makes it to the pros, um, put him at right tackle. He could, he could make the NFL as a right tackle. I would say the same thing about Cole Van Lannan last year. He would have been fine at right tackle. Um, but we keep trotting guys out there as, you know, this is our best possible option at left tackle. We'll put somebody in there and let them have growing pains, but they'll eventually be a good left tackle rather than constantly papering over that hole with, well, this guy's actually more of a right tackle, but we're just going to put him at left tackle because we don't want to, you know, take any chances. Sorry, that's my soliloquy on the offensive line. Yeah, I mean, well, we've, we've, we've talked about this before, and none of us like them kind of doing this whole cross-training thing. It's like if you if you project a guy at this position, have them be good at that position first, then you can start thinking about cross-training again. To play devil's advocate but, to that really quick, they probably haven't had a, a left tackle they really believed in in the last couple of years. Yeah, but now you should. Now you should. You've had guys come in. A you have several guys that, come in that are like about as good as you can get 
at that and from, I realize a, there's... from a projection standpoint. Yeah. Nelson, Logan Brown, but, and... Uh, but my point is, Nelson's young. Logan Brown missed an entire year with injury, and Riley, Riley Melman isn't ready. Yeah, but what my point is is now you're seeing these guys. These guys are physically now. Look, it's it's not a matter. Yep. It's not a matter. It's not a matter of they're not like the body's not there. Or this may like be that. a question of win now, a win. This may be a question right. of win now, win later. And a mental. Um, but um, I feel like if we're if we're playing the conservative route with that, like this is our best chance to win this year if we play Tyler Beach at left tackle. I don't know that it is. And that's because you don't know how Logan Brown's going to play at the end of the year. Um, maybe maybe right. he is going point. to learn from his mistakes rather than you constantly uh, shifting another player in front of him and taking away playing time from him. And meanwhile, putting that player at a position that might not be their absolute best position, um, that kind of that hurts the offensive line. It doesn't really help it. So if that's the philosophy they're going with. I have some serious questions for Joe Rudolph and Paul Chris. But then again, I'm not a coach and I'm not on the field, so I don't know what they're seeing in practice. Maybe Tyler Beach is going to be a good left tackle. It's a fair question, though. I mean, it's also an offensive line that has to be ready out the jump this year. Like, it's, it's yeah, we didn't, there's no warm There's not going to be year. fans aren't going to be okay with Logan Brown taking his lumps, and it takes him two or three year, two or three games to like kind of get into the groove of it. Well, and we very well could see them splitting time. Uh, I mean, it's happened before with Van Landen and uh, <laughs> Dietzen. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that that's necessarily what you want to see, but it's not that you unheard have, of for us. If you have two to... quarterbacks, you have no quarterbacks. You could make a similar argument for left tackle. If you can't find a guy who can, because that's a that's a oh, crucial position. It's not something that should be operated as a platoon. And so, if you, I just, I, I don't disagree at all. I'm just saying yeah. that we have seen them do this before, so it's the not notorious unheard of for John Dietzen Coleman to play that game. Uh, rotation was, which was a rotation yeah. mostly in word only. So it was effectively, we'll uh, we'll see how this all turns out. But in the meantime, I think we're all buyers on Jack Nelson. Yep, we're gonna go ahead. The next guy I'm gonna jump to is. Devin Chandler, young wide receiver, part of the Chimiri DK uh, group coming in last year. We've seen a lot of tweets coming out with this guy being on the the receiving end of some passes. I personally, um, I guess here's the way I'm going to pose this question. Do you think that we see consistent reps from him this year, whether it be a third or fourth wide receiver? Uh, if nothing else, um. It's hard, God, it's so hard to say with Wisconsin's wide receivers. Um, how great is Shimmery DK where he's not even like a guy who's popping anymore? He's already an established, you know, vet, and he's essentially, right, you know, a redshirt freshman this year. So, um, you know, that, that right there speaks volumes. Devin Chandler and A.J. Abbott, uh, who also is having a, great camp you hope that they show up but they've got so much in front of them considering wisconsin's returning virtually all of its receiving i'm gonna i'm gonna put talent in um quotes because we don't really know what we've got anymore but um yeah it's it's hard to say if they're gonna see any time because there's so many players in front of them in terms of eligibility and uh playing time you hope that they get in because any contribution from AJ Abbott now, the clock is running. He's a junior. I'm, an, I'm just going to buy long term on Chandler 
but I'm going to sell this year on Chandler. You get you have you have Pryor coming back. You have Danny Davis coming back. You still have Jack Dunn. You have AJ Abbott. You have multiple tight ends. And how often is Wisconsin going to run four receivers, three receivers even? You have Bracy as well. Bracy's kind of more of the slot gimmicky guy. I, I like Chandler as a long term prospect to be maybe that 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 Robin to to Chimray's Batman, but not this year. Not with not with Pryor and Danny Davis back. Assuming they stay healthy, there's too much in front of them. And this isn't a team that runs four wide. Do do you think, looking at those two guys as starters, Davis and Pryor, that it is an impossibility that they get overtaken by somebody? As starters, I think it's be. I very don't view hard. them athletically as being. I don't view them athletically as being guys that are that are page turners at all. I mean, I I look at them and I'm kind of like, it wouldn't shock me if if DK pushes past one of them. With with this staff, it wouldn't shock me if. It would surprise me with this staff. I mean, we saw, yeah, we saw it, Jack Dunn get a ton of reps because he's a veteran. We have seen this staff. We have seen this staff play the best. I'll say this: player. I don't think Pryor or, or Danny up. Davis are coming back if they're not starters. I'll, I'll put it like that. I, I they had a lot of conversations. With I'm not saying that it's going to be that way right off the bat. I don't think they're. Gonna I'm get not saying it's going to be that way right off the bat, but it's very possible that some of these guys could be could push. I, I think they can like push. A guy like Abbott. If you're talking about starters, I, I think I I think all three of these. I think all three of these guys are physically more gifted than those everybody's two. physically more gifted than Jack Dunn, and he got reps ahead of a lot of dudes. Like this staff cares about consistency. Well, he knew the playbook. That's what's big. This staff cares about consistency. It cares Run about blocking. commitment to the program. It's not. It doesn't. Run blocking and it tenure. Doesn't matter tenure matters what to the staff. Potential is if you cannot safely run your routes and run block, they don't care how much potential you have. Uh, that's why Shimmery DK is playing right now, and everybody else is sort of, you know, will they play or not? Shimmery DK runs good, well, runs pretty good routes, and is a great run blocker already. That's why he played as a freshman. So we're going to find out, but I don't foresee anyone overtaking the top four of Danny Davis, Kendrick Pryor, Jack Dunn, and Shimmery DK. I just don't see it happening, unless there's an injury. I think Dunn can be fast, though. I think Dunn will be pushed out this year. I think he becomes a special teams player. I think the odds are very high that somebody like Chandler or or uh, Abbott can make the jump and push him out and just to have somebody who's more athletic at that position. I'm not saying they're going to get a ton of catches, but I do think that they'll be the guys that are put out there instead. I will say with a new receiver coach, you may see a change in philosophy on that. I think, I think with Gilmore Goss. Do you think that he's the one that actually calls that like we do with running back? Do you think that Woodhead is the guy that actually makes the? I think he probably I, had I a say know. in it. I mean, I think he, I think he probably had a say in it. Um, with a new receiver coach, maybe that loyalty's gone. But I don't know. I, I certainly don't know that for sure. Well, all right, we're gonna move on here. We got just another guy that's we we've heard some good things about, Preston Zachman, who was kind of an a guy who wasn't really heard about much last year. We're not gonna really go into him, but it was nice to hear some good things about him. He's he jumped into safety. And he is popping a little bit at that position. So great to hear that he's, you know, kind of proving himself at the safety position. Sounds like he might have found a, a home there. Hey, guys, you've been listening to the Bucky cast. We're going to wrap it up today. Uh, just a short show. But we also wanted to just let everybody know how much we appreciate um, the listens, the likes. Um, it means a ton to us for, for people to be out there and, and taking some time out of their day to listen to us talk uh, Badger sports. So we appreciate it. Um, we'll, we'll see you on the next show. And as always, uh, feel free to, if you like the show, listen, subscribe, leave a comment, leave a like, uh, it really does help.
All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much for listening to the Bucky Cast. If you've enjoyed the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We really appreciate it. And we'll catch you next time on Wisconsin.